Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, let's speak now to Dr. Francesca Conradi. She's a principal investigator at the Clinical HIV Research Unit, and she's calling for a renewed focus on TB testing in the country uh, and has described some of the missing cases of new TB infections under COVID-19. Let's get straight into the conversation. Dr. Conradi, good morning, and thank you for your time on The Talking Point today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You are one of the key investigators when it comes to um, some of the TB work that is being done in the country. I suppose before we look at what has or hasn't happened under COVID-19, just give us a sense in terms of the new infections year on year that you are able to pick up and how much testing needs to happen in the country in order to identify these new cases. Very good question. So year on year, although our TB burden is declining, we have about 250 to 300 cases of TB occurring every year. And in order to find those cases, we need to test about 10 times that amount. So the test that we do for TB is a simple sputum test. We ask patients or people who are coughing uh, for any uh, duration to cough in a bottle or if they've got any of the other symptoms of TB. And I'm going to keep stressing this because I'm hoping to get this message out there. So either a prolonged cough, night sweats, fever or weight loss. Those are the signs and symptoms of TB. If we find someone such as that, we ask them to cough in a bottle, we send off to the laboratory, send off to the laboratory and get an answer, yes or no, to TB. So we have to do quite a large volume of testing. And what we noticed during the the hard lockdown, so level five, was that our testing bodies dropped immensely. And I know from where I work in Port Elizabeth, we normally are diagnosing 10 to 15 cases of drug-resistant TB every week. Suddenly it dropped down to two. And that's not because TB disappeared. It is because uh, people were no longer going to the clinic to be screened for TB ultimately tested and then initiated on appropriate therapy. At the moment, we're about 30% down on where we would normally be this time last year, if that makes sense. So we've got a number of cases, probably 30% of our cases, that we haven't detected yet. Mm. So, so effectively, a lot more testing that you'd need to do, um, you know, and, and I mean, we're in the, the second week of, of December. So one wonders if you're actually going to be able to do it before the year wraps up. So there's no point in sort of rushing around in the community and trying to test everyone. We do targeted testing, mm. looking at people with the symptoms that I've mentioned. Mm. You'll notice there's a wee bit of an overlap between this and COVID. If anyone presents with COVID, we should probably be testing them for TB at the same time and vice versa. Um, So we might not be able to catch up this year, but we really need to start looking at it. And we look at who are the people who are most at risk of catching TB, of getting a new TB infection. So the first ones are people who are HIV infected. If you've got HIV, then irrespective of where you are in your disease process, you've got up to 20 times more likelihood of acquiring TB. Mm. You know, HIV damages the immune system. Then the other particularly at-risk group are children under the age of five. Children under the age of five, a couple of scary things. First of all, they usually acquire their TB at home. So, you know, the little guys, they don't go out very much. They're hardly out in public transport. 
some of them might go to daycare, but in the main, children get their TB from their home. Mm. And what normally happens is that we have an adult diagnosed in the house, and then we go through and we look at all the children under five. If they're children under five who've got active disease, we treat them. If they don't, we give them medicine for prophylaxis. Mm. Now that has where we, we, not only did we stop clinic visits to a large degree, or people were afraid to go to clinics, but we also made parents and children stay at home together. So I'm concerned that we're going to see an upsurge in TB, and we just need to be aware of it. Has there been a, a change? You know, you, you made reference to the lockdown and, you know, giving an example of where you are only confirming about two cases versus the 12 to 15 that you would have done generally per week of drug resistant TB. Has that changed since the lockdown restrictions have been eased? Yes, it's gradually building up. Mm. It's building up to our pre lockdown uh, era, but it does, there was a slice of the cake that we missed out, if that makes sense, mm. with people mm. not wanting to go to clinics. Okay. And I think that yeah. this also underlies a whole lot of really important things. COVID is our biggest health risk at the moment, and anyone mm. who doesn't believe that is a conspiracy theorist. So we're facing enormous changes, challenges to our healthcare system. But other things have also fallen by the wayside. Children are not going to get their regular immunizations, their regular mm. vaccines. Mm. Uh, what happens if after our COVID outbreak, we have a measles outbreak? Uh, we've just got to be cognizant of how we can travel to and from places, and that includes our local clinics, safely, so with masks, social distancing, open windows, all the things that we know. So, D- Dr. Conradi, you know, th- there's been a lot of talk about getting an integrated response to not just COVID-19, but looking at HIV and tuberculosis in particular and seeing how that can be part of the work that is being done on COVID-19 already. So instead of uh, the, the community testing that would take place on just COVID, that all of these services are also there almost to kill three birds with one stone, I guess. Where are we with doing that? The project has been a little bit slow because in all honesty, COVID took most of us by complete surprise. Mm. And so we had a good to reasonable healthcare system functioning in most provinces. Uh, and then the next thing, we suddenly were burdened with this disease that we weren't sure at that stage how many cases we would get, what the severity and fatality would be. So all the attention turned to that. We're now starting to be a little bit more, uh, in the last couple of months, to be really more cognizant of the fact that not only TB and HIV, it's hypertension, asthma, diabetes. We provide health care. The National Department of Health through the provinces supplies health care to 85% of South Africans. We can't afford to focus on one thing alone. How long do you think it's going to take us to be able to do the other work that we need to do? So including on TB, uh, on hypertension and some of these other illnesses that you've mentioned. So we, I mean, I'm maybe just to be fair, we have made some great changes. The first thing is that uh, we went from one month prescriptions to three month prescriptions. Mm. So if you're stable on your antiretroviral therapy, there's no real reason why you should go to the clinic every month. If you know how to take your medicines and you've got no side effects, it's actually just a schlep to go to the clinic. 
uh, you know, you don't need ongoing counseling. So we've gone to three-month prescriptions. We've integrated testing for COVID into TB testing mm. and vice versa. So if someone presents with a respiratory illness, if at all possible, we get a specimen for both. And we've also moved, we've been able to give our TB patients more than a week or two of medicines at the time, uh, longer medicines. The, the kind of restrictions around that are, are the tests that we've got to do. So we're moving towards that, and I think that even when COVID is gone, Mm -hmm. this is going to be left behind. Multi-month prescriptions, which sounds uh, quite simple, but remember, if you're HIV infected, you've got to go to your clinic once a a month, and that's usually the day cities. What is the greatest risk or danger of having people who do have TB or who have developed drug-resistant TB who are out there and not getting the treatment that they need? Very, very good question. So the greatest risk to the individual is that TB is a progressive lung disease. So what happens is that you get a what's colloquially known as a touch of TB. So people are a little bit sick. They're coughing a bit more than normal. Uh, but if that diagnosis is not made then, then that individual will get a more severe lung disease. And what TB does, not to go into the finer medical details, is it actually makes holes in your lungs. We call them cavities. And even when the TB is cured, people will remain with residual lung function, particularly if they're diagnosed late. Every doctor who works in South Africa has seen someone whose entire lung has been destroyed by TB. But for the individual, obviously, the earlier we treat the disease, the better. Get a better response to treatment, less side effects, and mm. better outcomes. For the community, for every person who, is, who has active TB, who's coughing out the TB bacilli in their system, we estimate that they will infect eight people in a year. Mm. So, you know, if there's been a bunch of people wandering around with late diagnosis of TB, there are a couple more that have acquired it from those mm. individuals. Mm. So it's a, it's, there are lots of parallels to this with COVID, aren't there? That, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, infection control, uh, both uh, in a facility is very important, but even in our households and where we normally live and move needs to be paid attention to. What are we going to need to do going into next year in order to ensure that some of the other illnesses that this country is facing don't fall by the wayside, especially given the fact that COVID is going to be with us, you know, even if we, uh, even with news of a vaccine at this point, there's some who believe that it'll be about six months, maybe even a year before South Africa can have access to some of those vaccines. Yeah, no, that's true. Even if we had an infected vaccine, it's going to be quite a while before we can roll it out to the general community. And then there's going to be a lot of discussion about who should get the vaccine first, should it be healthcare workers, et cetera, et cetera. There isn't even a vaccine registered yet. So it's going to be at least six months to a year. So what should we do? We need to continue with our uh, focused healthcare messages, which are things like um, take your antiretroviral therapy, test for HIV, know your status. Uh, uh, If you think you've got TB, please go to the clinic. If you're in contact with someone that's got TB, please go and test for TB. It's a treatable infection. So to just... um, Keep the health messaging up because now every time you see a health message, what does it say? Social distancing, put your mask on, wash your hands. We should be also adding to that TB continues to be a risk and HIV still requires treatment.
I want us to listen to some of the WhatsApp voice notes that our listeners are sending in. And if you've got, uh, you know, specific questions for Dr. Francesca Conradi, uh, she's the principal investigator at the Clinical HIV Research Unit. You can use the numbers 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line. It's 0614-104-107. On Twitter, it's at SFM Radio. The hashtag is SFM Talking Point. And uh, your SMS you can send those to 41391. Uh, in a moment, Dr. Conradi, I want us to talk about the treatment and some of the issues that have been raised, especially by people who were unable to access treatment during uh, some of the lockdown periods and what they need to do. Before we do that, though, uh, let's listen to uh, one or two voice notes that our listeners are sending in. Hi, Kathy. I'm just happy that Tianga found his son. Um, well unharmed we were just praying for him and we glad everything turned out good this is Dombi in Sekunda hi Kathy this is GJ Chalen I'm just inquiring talking about TB and TB is one of the sicknesses that's been predominantly attracted with South Africa it's one of the major sicknesses as well just an inquiry, there was a TB hospital in Durban, in Newlands West. I see they have now closed that hospital down, and there's a private company running an old age uh, care center and assisted living. I'd like to know if this is a major problem, TB is a major problem, why did they close down that hospital? Or is that place sold to this person, or is it being leased out? I don't know. I'd like to know it's very uh, something that we should check into and see why did they close the TB hospital. Dr. Conradi, are you able to answer that question? So I can answer the question, but not specifically to that one. Okay. So the answer is that we have moved towards the decentralized care for TB. What that means is we uh, are trying as much as possible for patients to be able to stay at home on their TB treatment. If you've got drug-sensitive TB and you start taking your medicines within three days, uh, that you won't be infectious anymore. So mm-hmm. it takes a very, very short time for you to be non-infectious. And provided that you're not too unwell, it becomes a burden if we have to admit our TB patients. Imagine if I told you you had to go and sleep in a hospital for uh, eight weeks. I mean, I couldn't give up my life for eight weeks. I've got responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, in general, what the Department of Health has done for both drug-resistant and drug-sensitive TB is move to a, a decentralized model so people can get their medicines uh, at home and be safely treated at home. Drug-resistant TB is a little bit more complicated because the treatment's a bit longer and we use slightly more toxic medications. But even in that case, most patients can be treated at home. It's a false um, belief to think that if I whip off a TB patient and put them in hospital, that everything is going to be fine. Mm. If you listen, if you heard what I said, some people are out in the community to, for four to five months before we make the diagnosis, and with lockdown, that's even worse. So there's no medical reason for, for someone to be in hospital, and all they need is their medicines, then we prefer for them to be treated at home. 
One of the things, um, if memory serves correctly, Dr. Conradi, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, is that with multidrug-resistant TB, before we used to see that um, some of these patients were specifically being treated in hospitals, and in fact, some of them would escape from the hospitals, and um, you know, this was seen as, as a great da- danger. Has that situation mm-hmm. changed? Very, very much. Mm. So in the olden days, and when I refer to the olden days, I talk about three or four years ago. Mm. Uh, we used to give patients a daily injection uh, and uh, uh, for the treatment of drug-resistant TB. And that would also have a consequence that some of our patients lost their hearing. So the Department of Health, the National Department of Health, has worked very closely with organizations such as mine and other NGOs to look at better treatment for drug-resistant TB. Mm. Now we have an all-oral regimen, so there's no need for injections. And if people understand their disease process, so that means if they have got a compassionate and good doctor and nurse who explains to them why they should take their medicines, what the side effects are, what to do when they get side effects, most patients can be treated as outpatients. Um, and you're right, people would run away from treatment because I couldn't get locked away for mm. three to four months. Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons, the kind of compassionate reasons why we started a decentralized treatment because if people are going to run away from treatment, we're never going to win the war. Dr. Francesca Conradi, I'm going to ask you just to stay on the line. Uh, one or two more questions before we wrap up our conversation today. Uh, she's a principal investigator at the Clinical HIV Research Unit. We're talking about some of the lag that has taken place when it comes to TB testing in the country. Of course, much of it being as a result of the focus that has now been turned uh, to COVID-19. It's 11.30. Uzi Lesago has your latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're rounding off our time on air today. We're in conversation with Dr. Francesca Conradi, who is a principal investigator at the Clinical HIV Research Unit. She's raising the alarm over the reduction in testing. This is for new TB cases. Dr. Conradi, before I let you go, let's talk about those people who would have been unable to access treatment for whatever reason uh, during these last couple of months. What must they do? They must go back to the clinic. Mm. So it's quite simple. You go to the clinic. The clinics are now very safely divided into places where they're seeing uh, what we call persons under investigation. They're looking for people with COVID and for people without. So patients are being triaged very carefully. If you've had a treatment interruption, if you you were on TB treatment and you were unable to get your TB treatment for any reason, please go back to the clinic. Tell the clinic what happened. Tell the clinic sister why you've interrupted, how many pills you didn't take, and let her reinitiate your therapy. Mm. If you restart your treatment, you can get back on track with both HIV and TB, provided you don't leave it for too long. How long is too long? Longer than, well, any, I don't know how to answer that. Longer than (laughs) two to three months. Okay, okay, okay. So with both of these diseases, Mm. if you interrupt therapy, you can develop resistance to the drugs that you're on. Mm. We've got a very good first-line antiretroviral treatment that is very forgiving of treatment interruptions. A TB regimen, probably two months is as long as you can be off without us worrying about the development of resistance. 
Dr. Francesca Conradi, let me thank you so much for your time on the Talking Point today, an important conversation uh, to be having. So if you're experiencing any of the symptoms that Dr. Conradi was talking about earlier on in the show, uh, please go to your nearest clinic get tested, um, among other things, for tuberculosis and get on treatment as quickly as possible because the implications of not doing that uh, are quite dire, especially for the health of individuals. Um, So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that story. And I suppose it just adds to the conversation. Last week, uh, we had the conversation around HIV testing and how that um, has been uh, has been affected, especially again by the emphasis on um, COVID nineteen that has taken place. So uh, we a lot of talk about integrating the strategies, but that hasn't fully happened yet. Uh, so by and large, it means that we have to take a lot more responsibility for our health, for how we're feeling, and not take things for granted. You know, just go get it checked out and know that you're all clear. Uh, because if you're not, then you you can at least get onto uh, the treatment that 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 you'd require. Uh, so we're going to wrap up the show today uh, with talking to Green Cape. Uh, you'd remember we've been doing uh, a number of these interviews, and it's about some of the opportunities that are available in the green economy. Before we do that, uh, let's just take uh, some of what you've been saying about the show, and uh, we'll also bring you that tune, that song from Berita. Uh, we launched the gender-based violence campaign on all SABC stations with it. And so I will just remind you of the message of gender-based violence within this, uh, this half hour as well.